You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Amen. Hi, if you guys don't know me, uh, my name is Brenna. I'm one of the other pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, and it is a good day to be together. So this morning, we are going to try to be pretty uh, interactive at some different points uh, during the sermon, this conversation time that we have all together. Uh, And so I want to just start warming us up a little bit, just with a show of hands. And so knowing that this has been a pretty intense week, um, let's just do a show of hands. If you have found yourself stress or comfort eating a little bit more than usual over this past week, show of hands, come on, be honest. All right, now in the chat, if you would like to, we would love to hear some of the delicious things that you have been stress or comfort eating, stress or comfort baking, um, because yeah, it has been all of this week, us this week, right? So I, I made um, cranberry banana bread that was pretty delicious and I may have eaten half of the loaf all by myself this week. Ooh, I'm seeing some really good Halloween candy, tacos and bread, probably I'm assuming separately, chocolate chip cookies, uh, It was really convenient having Halloween so close to election week, wasn't it? Okay, so this is awesome. Keep it coming, make us all hungry. Here is one of the other ways that we, um, a little bit later on during the sermon are gonna be getting a little bit more interactive. Some of you may have used Slido before, but we're gonna put up a slide right now. And if you have another device, you know, maybe you're watching on a big screen, but you've got your phone next to you or an iPad, Um, there is going to be a website, slido.com, and an event code, or you can actually just use your phone and take a picture of this QR code that is up on the screen right now. And it's gonna take you uh, to a site that is going to have some questions for you uh, later on. They're not active right now. Joe, who kind of works behind the scenes for us, will be making the questions active just a little bit later on during the service. Uh, But this will help you get ready to be part of our our Slido polling that we are gonna do later on during the sermon. That's basically gonna let us give some answers a little bit more anonymously and kind of see uh, in a kind of cool visual way um, uh, what's going on in some of our lives and some of our hearts. So later on during the service, you will wanna come to slido.com. It's number 69200, okay? All right, so that's gonna be a little bit later. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, so an intense, intense week. You know, I grew up in a a church tradition where we really did not talk about politics very much during church. And, and so in some ways it makes it, it's a hard moment to kind of go, what does it look like for us to do this well as a community this morning at the end of a long and intense week to come and have a good conversation together. And yet I, those of you who know me, you know that I love naming elephants. And so the idea of having church this morning and not talking about our political situation, I just don't know how we do that, right? Like, I don't know how it wouldn't feel like we're just ignoring a big old elephant that's sitting on the carpet in the middle of our our kind of living room here together as a community. You know, uh, I think it was was probably just yesterday, uh, you know, everything's starting to blur, but just yesterday, There was a clip that I imagine many of you might have seen. Uh, It was of Van Jones, a CNN commentator, and he had been asked to reflect on what this election has meant to him 
personally. And part of what made this clip so powerful is just the emotion that started to pour out from him as he was trying to answer this question, to reflect on, on what this moment has meant for him. And he just started weeping, just started weeping on air, talking about um, how so many people have felt like they couldn't breathe over the last four years. Thinking particularly of folks of color, uh, of immigrant communities, of LGBTQ folks, uh, Muslim communities, people who have felt um, just threatened and torn down continually in their everyday lives over the last four years and how to him this felt like just a, a vindication for all those who had been suffering and an opportunity uh, for the country to finally reset. And I've seen that echoed over and over and over again in my social media feed uh, over the last few days. Here's a quote from a city church friend this morning, and, and it's really just one example of so many. She wrote, my whole body is rejoicing in the election of Biden-Harris and in the end of the Trump presidency. Still so much work and healing to do. Now, scripture tells us really, really clearly that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And though we are not like a Democrat church and we are not a Republican church, we actually feel like we have an allegiance that goes just, just a lot broader and deeper than that in Jesus. We do believe as a community that following Jesus has political implications because it means centering the margins. It means lifting up those who are poor and oppressed and, and developing a deep, deep heart for justice. And so as a diverse community in so many ways, ethnically and economically, sexually and in terms of immigration status, the reality is that over the last four years, we have wept together. And so it only makes sense that this morning, we get to do a little rejoicing together for all of these people, for everyone in our community who has felt like they could not breathe over the last four years. At the same time, we wanna acknowledge there are people, we know you are on this call today. There are people on our call today who filled different bubbles on their ballots than my friend in my Facebook feed. And if that's you today, we also want you to know that you are wholeheartedly welcomed here. And you get to bring in all of your thoughts and your questions and your feelings. And we're glad that you're willing to be part of this conversation with us. I actually think that's part of the work that my friend mentioned at the end of her comment. That is part of the work and the healing. Because what we know is that our current situation is not, it's not just about one person or even one group of leaders. This is about all of us. It's about our state of community health. And it's going to take all of us to navigate to a better space. So today, 
we actually want to talk about that work. We want to try and figure out what does that work look like all together. You know, at, at, over this whole last week, as we were waiting in limbo, um, there was so much talk going around about how we should do that waiting. And uh, I know that for many of us, it had this sort of like, let go and let God kind of bumper sticker feel to it. That's what so much of the encouragement that we heard, especially from other Christ followers, that's what it tended to feel like, you know, Jesus is on the throne. And, and for some of us, it just felt icky. You know, it felt like our experiences and our feelings were being invalidated. Uh, some of the phrases that you might've heard tossed around there were spiritual gaslighting, spiritual bypassing. Um, and what I felt as I read and received some of those comments myself is, man, we're doing what we so, so often do. And we are taking a creative tension that God invites us into. You know, our Jesus, who is so fond of the both and, and yet we have such a tendency to want to make it an either or. And that's what we're doing. We're taking this creative tension and we're, we're refusing. We want to resolve that tension by just picking one piece of it. Many of you have taken uh, sort of our, our foundational classes that we call shapes. And in it, we talk a lot about this, this verse found in Micah 6.8, we say, man, this is a picture of what it means to be fully human, to really dive deep into the spiritual life. And it says, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And this whole let go and let God thing, it, it's like it, it divides that up, right? It's walk humbly, let go and let God. And it's ignoring that other piece, the active piece do justice, love mercy. So if I were going to rewrite that whole bumper sticker phrase in a way that I think is more honoring towards like, this is what God is actually asking of us. We would let go and we would do some good. Let go and do good would be my, my new bumper sticker. And that's what we're going to explore today as we lean further into the book of James. So our friends Esther and Isabel are going to read for us as we get into this this morning. Here we go. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one law giver and judge and one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go do this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. 
all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, friends. Good to, uh, yeah. Good to hear some scripture and think about it. We're gonna, we're gonna try to think. What does it look like to, uh, to let go and do good? What does it look like to think about what we can control and what we can't? And this week, boy, there's, I mean, boy, it really highlights it this week. Uh, so we're going to start with the whole idea of letting go. Um, and then we'll circle back around to this idea of doing good because both are very prominent in our text. James 4.10, it leads off this passage, and he writes, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This idea of humility means embracing our humanity. It means that we're not God. My wife prays uh, and almost, we, we pray together every day and almost every time we pray together, she ends by saying, thank you that you are God and I am not. It's this recognition of our limitations and really a, a celebration of that because the limitations of our original design, they're, they're actually not a defect or a distortion. It's, it's a feature, not a bug, right? That we are very limited people. There's very much that we cannot control and that we actually get to, we get to trust God. And walking in humility is, is that sense. We are not in control. Back in the day when I first started ministry, 500 years ago, whatever it was, 30 years ago, I guess. Well, no, 30, a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I had this mentor who was great. It was my first week on the job. I was doing college ministry. And I had uh, my role models in my family and in the, the Christians that I knew valued hard work, like limitless hard work. Like there are souls to save. We got to get out there and save them. And so um, my first week of working, I worked with this group called InterVarsity, which is a college ministry. Um, I had trained myself all summer long going into this job to, to sleep less. So I'd set my alarm clock back. Instead of sleeping eight hours, I'd sleep seven hours and 45 minutes. And then for two days, then I'd set it back to seven hours and a half. And I was trying to get it down so I would only have to sleep four hours a night so I could do ministry. And uh, my, my first week on staff, this great mentor, this guy, Chris, he listens to this. And he's like, you are, you are sick and twisted basically is what he tells me. And uh, I said, well, you know, I know there's a lot of meetings. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go with these, you know, meet with these college students. And then later I'm going to follow up with them. And he literally says this to me. He says, Bill, uh, 
this is my first week of, of work. This is day two. So day one, you know, he kind of got the read. Day two, he intervenes. Day two, he's like, um, Bill, no, I, I, I don't think you should do that. I think you should probably go home and, and maybe take a nap. Seems like you've been going really hard already. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I got this. I got a couple of meetings stacked up and then I'm going to do this, that, and that. He's like, no, Bill, I, I want you to go home and, and rest and take a nap. I said, no, 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 I'm going to do this. I'm going to go home. And he looks at me, he says, Bill, if you don't go home, I will fire you. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand this mentality. But what he was saying is, Bill, you have limits. You have limits. They're not a bug. They're a future. And it's a gift. Along the years, uh, someone pointed out to me that in the Hebrew definition of the day, it starts when we go to bed. So if you read Genesis 1-1, right, the beautiful poetry at the beginning of the Bible talking about the creation of the world, it says, it says this, there was evening and there was morning the first day. Did you hear that? There was evening, the day starts in the evening and there was morning. The day ends in the morning, the first day. And it says the same thing. There was evening and there was morning the second day and the third day. It's because our days start in the evening in the Hebrew mindset. The day starts when you lie yourself down to bed. The lights dim, you slow down, and you surrender. You go to sleep, and God works. And so when you wake up with all your energy, you're not starting anything because God has already been at work and you have nothing to do with it. God was at work and now you are invited to participate. And so that's why we get to say with uh, the book of Proverbs, you know, one of those famous Christian quotes that you'll hear a lot that's just beautiful and wonderful says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So let's actually think a little bit about what this can look practically like for us. I mean, what are some of the ways uh, that we don't want to admit that we have limits? And, and by the way, like, this is probably one of my key dysfunctions. I'm so glad Bill had um, Bill had somebody 30 years ago to like, you know, start speaking in. Um, man, we would be so dangerous to each other uh, as co-pastors if we were both fresh on this journey of admitting that we have limits. Um, as it is, we have to work pretty hard to remind each other um, that we need to rest and we we need to take some breaks and give each other some grace, um, give ourselves some grace. Let's talk about some of those ways that it can be hard for us to admit that we have limits. Um, one actually, I think is what we've, I already touched on this idea of ways that we can kind of spiritually bypass each other, spiritually gaslight each other. It's this idea that we shouldn't have emotions, right? That if we trust God, we just, we'll be fine. And, and somehow to have, to have feelings 
to, to be angry, to be scared, to have questions, that that's somehow not trusting. And I'm gonna say, no, it's the opposite. Relationships where we trust are the ones that we're able to bring our full selves, right? To admit like, no, I am, I am a creature with emotional limits as well. I, I am an emotional creature. And this is how God created me. This is my design. And God loves it when we bring our questions, when we bring our full selves. So that's one of the ways I think that, that we can actually try to do it on our own is to, to not admit just the, the emotions and the questions that we're having. Now in the passage, one of the key ways that it identifies as well, and oh, it's so relevant for us these days, is this idea that we can just try to live too far into the future, you know, as if we aren't mortal, as if we're not subject to all sorts of forces outside of our control. In verses 13 and 14, it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And what, what a verse for our people living through COVID right? How many of us remember, you know, that day when lockdown started, you know, when you started, in my case, I started the morning, you know, just sending my kids off to school like normal, wondering a little bit if it wasn't kind of crazy that I was still sending them to school, um, but then pick them up in the afternoon and suddenly the world has changed. It has completely changed and, and our ability to plan for the future man, you don't get to plan for vacations three to six months out, right? We don't know what's happening with our jobs. We don't know what's going to happen with our kids' education, you know, more than from one day to the next. We have felt this, this reality that maybe before we were able to ignore. And in the midst of all the real damage around covid haven't there been some ways that that's actually been a gift to us? That it's helped us begin to slow down and to realize, you know, I have this friend who, if I didn't love her so much, it might be a little annoying. But every time we make plans, she says, um, like, Lord willing, like, like she just adds Lord willing, you know, like, okay, we'll meet up for coffee, Lord willing. And if I didn't love her so much, it might annoy me. And yet, this year, haven't we sensed that? Like, oh, we're actually not as in control as we thought we were. And, and somehow it actually builds in a little bit more of um, just a paying attention to the actual moments that we're in, right? To actually say like, oh, instead of trying to live out there, what we're striving towards, what we're working towards, just to appreciate the time that we have with family, with friends, being grateful, you know, for the roof over our head, all of these things, right? It's been an interesting, an interesting lesson for so many of us. Now, here's the other one I see in the passage. One other way that we have a tendency to want to think we have more control than we really do. And, and I'm going to be honest, this one I think is going to be challenging for us, especially in our present moment. It's this area of judging other people. In verses 10 through 11, James writes, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them 
speaks against the law and judges it. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So let's think a little bit about this area of judgment just for, for a couple minutes together. Um, it's not right that, that we can't see what someone does and name it. To see and to even name it when there are, um, there are effects to people's actions, maybe even hurtful effects. What it seems like James is saying is, it's not ours though to judge, to presume, to know, and to condemn the person's heart. To say, I know who you really are. I know what your actions, they show who you really are. And that person is unacceptable to condemn someone. So this morning, I, I want to invite you to think about someone who voted differently than you did over the last few weeks. And I want to imagine with you that this person, maybe it's someone you know, someone in your family or one of your close friends, could just be sort of the hypothetical other in your head, but that you really feel like Voting the way that they voted was just one of the worst, most hurtful things that they could have done. And I'm actually not here to argue with you about that, to try and convince you that that's not true, or I certainly wouldn't want to deny your feelings about that because they're real and they're valid. But I want to think about what the implications are from there. As I was thinking about this, it, it reminded me of um, a man whose work I just appreciate so much, uh, admire and look up to, Brian Stevenson, who's the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, and um, more of you may know him. Uh, his life story uh, was told in the movie Just Mercy, uh, based on his book about his, his work with inmates on death row, especially in the Deep South. And... Um, you know, these death row inmates, some of them had not actually committed the acts that they were sentenced for. You know, they had really been unfairly um, set up for these crimes by racist systems. But other people that Mr. Stevenson represented on death row, they had actually committed the acts that they were um, being sentenced for. And we're talking about some really horrific crimes, uh, things that had caused real pain and real damage to families and to communities. And what I think is so just powerful and provocative about Brian Stevenson's work is what he's asking us to do is to still see these people in light of their whole stories to feel and to appreciate their real humanity and to even look for some compassion within ourselves for them. So for instance, in the movie, we all get to see the story of Herbert Richardson, who was convicted of murder in 1978 and executed by the state of Alabama in 1989. But what we also get to see and to appreciate in the movie is just his backstory 
what had actually happened in his life that brought him to that point as a black war veteran who had struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder. We got to see his whole story. And what Brian Stevenson tells us and reminds us and is really arguing for is that each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. We have this tendency to wanna to focus on punishment, on vengeance. And when we focus on that alone, it can leave us stuck just in cycles of vengeance with no way out. And what he's inviting us to consider instead is, is an approach of mercy. And mercy still names the injury. It names the injury. It may even have requirements for making reparation, but it also holds out a hope for healing and for a future, not just for the people who've hurt us, but for the community as a whole. So I guess what I wonder is, are we gonna be able, can we hold a bit of cognitive tension for the people we have disagreed with in the days and months ahead? You know, can we stay passionate about justice and also stay tender and hopeful to the people around us? And I know, Bill, you had a story uh, that you heard from a friend this week that you wanted to share around this. Yeah, I was, I was talking with a friend who was just having the hardest time. She voted for, for Biden-Harris and her family uh, voted the other way. And, and we had lots of conversations about what does it look like to, to love family, to listen to family, to understand. And so she actually approached them and asked them and said, you know, help me understand. And they come from a, a Central American background uh, as immigrants. And they said, you know, we're just really terrified about the potential leanings towards socialism in the Democratic Party. And, and my friend, she, she just pointed out, she said, you know, it was actually really helpful. You know, I have some, you know, she has lots of thoughts about socialism and the Democratic Party and stuff like that. But she said, that wasn't the point. It's like, oh, I could actually understand. I could hear their stories. I could hear their pain and we could connect. And it was a beautiful moment for that family. So. Wow, Bill, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And I know there are more stories out there, conversations that have been had over the last few weeks. And, and there are also some potential stories and the stories that have not happened yet. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna take a couple of minutes that we're gonna, we're gonna pause and we're gonna go to that Slido tool. Uh, and if Slido feels a little challenging for you, it just feels extra stressful this morning and you don't need you know, to try, try out a new technology thing, you can totally just answer in the chat. But for those of you who would like to, we're gonna go and we're gonna, we're gonna have a little time to answer our first questions in Slido. And it's just to say in one to two words, and you can answer more than once if you'd like to, what have you been trying to control these days that might not really be yours to control? Maybe you've been pushing down feelings, questions. Maybe you've been trying to plan or take care of things that are really just kind of above your pay grade, um, you know, that are beyond your limits. Maybe, maybe it's about your thoughts and feelings towards some other people who are making different choices than yours. Go ahead and put those answers in. 
Oh, thank you, friends. You'll be able to read each other's answers as we go too. They get bigger as more people share the same answer. Hmm. Lots about family. A lot about emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Future. Can we control the future? There's so much uncertainty right now. Hmm. Others' beliefs. It's a real theme there. Mm. Work life. Mm. Fear and anxiety. Yeah, anxiety is getting a lot of answers, a lot of votes. Mm. Thank you, friends, for sharing. Wow, that's, uh, you people have real problems with control can't believe you. Come on. Ah, <laughs> oh, story of my life. This is the story of my life. Um, thanks, Brenna. Just so helpful. And boy, isn't it so helpful to see some of those other things to realize you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're, we're struggling. We're trying to figure out how do we surrender? How do we do this? Uh, now we now we shift, okay? Um, the sermon here uh, shifts a little bit, and we look at the second half. So, so this is what does it look like to trust God and surrender these things, recognize our limits, and then also say, okay, but we don't get to just uh, you know let go and let God, everything's fine, and I'm done with it. It's like, no, we actually let go and we do good. There's actually a step for us here. And this is where James ends up. So this is what he says in 4.17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I mean, James is just calling it out. He's like, look, folks, um, there's lots of things that are not in your control. You so desperately want to control other people's beliefs and thoughts and behaviors. And we so easily use that as an excuse not to deal with our own. I had a friend I was talking to a couple of weeks ago before the election. And in the conversation, he said something that challenged me so much. He said, he was sharing this and it just, it was a word to me. He said, you know, how much how much time are you putting into this election? You know, hours, right? Every week, hours and hours thinking and learning and 
And he said, and how many votes do you have? I was like, oh, be quiet. <laughs> right? It's like, I want to control this thing. But it was this, this moment of, he said, well, what if you spent that time differently serving the real people near you? He said, you've already decided your vote. You've already decided. I mean, I, I mailed in my ballot early. Like, what if you took some of that time and actually served real people? I have a, a woman that I really respected from our old church who did a rough translation of Psalm 4, verse 5, which says, trust God and do the next right thing. Oh, gosh. I just love that. Like, trust God. Like, we're, we're really going to surrender and like, yeah. And I'm going to vote. But now what's the next right thing? A friend of mine who's a pastor across town, uh, he and I realized how anxious we were about the election. And so we started this process. We call each other every day at 3 p.m. to pray for each other, to pray for our churches, for our nation. Uh, for peace and that we'd be able to actually do some stuff. And this was a great move for me. I was like the next right thing. Oh, okay. And then realize, okay, I'm only going to check the news cycle once in the morning and once in the afternoon. It was so helpful. I mean, these, these were next right things for me. And then I realized, oh, it could be bigger than my world. And in one of my conversations with him realized, you know, I'm going to start checking in on some friends to see how they're doing. And I would just send a simple text that said, mental health check-in, how are you doing? And I had dozens and dozens of conversations with people around this. And it was so good because it was the next right thing that I could actually do. I could actually care for some people. Uh, and I'll turn it back to you, Ben. Yeah, I actually, uh, I have the privilege this morning of uh, introducing you to someone who's a little on the newer side to City Church Long Beach. And uh, she and I have had some really fun conversations over the last few weeks. And, and she just jumped to mind for me as someone who has really been thinking about this in a really, really deep way. Like, what does it mean to hold these things in tension and do the next right thing. So uh, Laura Lacombe is gonna share a little bit of her story today. And I see Laura on my screen. You guys will see her as she, um, as she starts to talk. So Laura, tell us a little bit just about um, how long you've been around City Church and what brought you here? Like, how, how did you find this crazy little place? <laughs> um, I... Can you hear me good? It's not showing. Okay, good. The green square wasn't changing for me. Um, I started coming in July, I think. So I've been online the whole time. Um, and I don't remember how I first came across it somewhere on the internet. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah, I was just looking for a place to be um, a little more free as far as in like diversity of thought and acceptance and affirmation um, all across the board, like identity and theology. So mm -hmm. yeah, well, that's what drew me in. 
we're really glad that you found us. And so for those of you who are like, oh, I've never met Laura, this is why, because she came in <laughs> July when we were already here in on-screen world. So I definitely know my first conversation with Laura uh, was over Zoom and, you know, we've, we had the chance to connect actually in person, you know, with the six feet distance and mask, you know, a couple of times since then. But here's one of the amazing people you will get to know better, you know, over, over the next next little bit. So um, Laura, I want to share a quote from your blog that you wrote this last week, because um, it was just, it was just awesome. And then I'm just going to ask you if you can tell us a little bit what was on your mind and on your heart when you wrote this. Uh, so this was on your blog and uh, an article called God is in control. So go do the work. If I hear that God is in control, I want to hear how we will protect the groups that will be harmed. If I hear that God is on the throne, I want to hear how under God's throne, there is no domination, oppression, or violence. I want to hear how we as followers of Christ will bring heaven to earth in the form of love, equity, justice, and peace. I want to hear how we will come together to support people in our communities who are hurting. It's so beautiful, Laura. Um, can you just what brought that up for you? Like what gave you that, like, ah, oh, I got to go to my blog and I got to get some of these thoughts and feelings out there. Um, yeah, it was honestly reactionary, but it is also residual, honestly, from four years ago. I said something about it last presidential election, just a little less forward. Um, <laughs> but so it was just seeing all of those statements circle around and not being inherently wrong just um like you already mentioned Brenna just felt so dismissive um mm -hmm. and so it just wasn't sitting well with me and I knew that in my circles there were people that would need to hear it and wouldn't see it elsewhere um so yeah I was like sitting at my desk I was technically working and I just started like <laughs> scribbling um and eventually it turned into that but yeah it just felt wrong that I mean, I was seeing it from people who weren't going to be affected um, and they weren't um, explicit, explicitly saying like the results of the election don't matter. But of course, that's the sentiment that comes across. Mm -hmm. And for all of the people that said it, it, it didn't matter. You know, the last four years didn't change anything for them because they're protected mostly by being white. Um, and so I just... Yeah, it just didn't sit well with me. I just feel like there's the element of sitting back and saying, you know, I'm here safe in my home. And so God's in control. And then you just take a step back. And I just feel like, and I wrote it too. I just imagine God being like, yes, I'm, I'm here. And I'm like on the throne. I'm in control, however you want to phrase it. But you're my hands and feet. So what are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, and just, I mean, I don't want to, there's a whole question about, what God controls and doesn't control. It just felt very dismissive, especially in regards to history. Um, and just in the United States history, thinking about all the things that God has been in control for, which is starting from, you know, the genocide of indigenous people and slavery mm -hmm. and internment of Japanese people and atrocities, you know, at the border and in um, um, detainment centers. Um, God's in control for all of that. So it doesn't negate the, the horrible things and like what we're supposed to do to address it. Um, mm -hmm. And of course it looks different for everyone. Like people who are 
being affected by it more. It just looks different for everyone, but I was seeing it from people who it wasn't going to affect. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted some deeper wrestling. Mm-hmm. I love the call towards action, right? To say like, okay, but what are we actually going to do? So tell us a little bit like over this last week, what did it look like for you? I mean, to try and say like, okay, I, I believe this and, and I'm trying to follow Jesus as best I can right now. Like, what did actually living that out look like for you this last week? Um, well, I had my first attempt <laughs> was, um, well, there were like some posts going around about like um, post-election safety plans. Um, there are also like suggestions for things to help your community. And one was um, like having food and water at poll centers and for like, if there's long lines. Um, so I was just prepared to do that. Um, but day of, I the lines just weren't long in Long Beach and in my area. Um, so I wasn't about to do something that wasn't needed. Um, I think that's also an important aspect is um, there's in, well, in white Christian circles that I come from, a lot of times helping people is, I guess, to be blunt, like kind of colonial, um, where, you know, I have something and I know what you need. Um, so that was part of the process is like, it's not needed, so I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> so you and, got ready to help, but they kind of said, okay, well, yeah. this actually like a helpful way. It would be just sort of like making myself feel better. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So it turned more into um, checking in, you know, on friends. Um, yesterday, um, you know, it was going to a BLM meeting and going to the rally after, um, which I'm glad I did because they're at the uh, BLM meeting. Someone shared about something they're doing next week that they need volunteers for. Um, my sister-in-law told me about how she's going to volunteer for, um, there's an organization that's supporting um, farm working families. So things came up. It just wasn't what I expected. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're saying you're staying sensitive and you're listening. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, Laura. Thank you so much just for, well, we're glad you're, you're part of us. And we're glad that you're willing to come here and share your story and honestly give us some ideas too. Um, We're going to actually shift into that together to say like, let's actually think about this together. Like think about Laura's words. uh, Think about her example. Think about other people you know who are actually doing the work. Um, what, What is the next right thing that could be in front of you? Uh, to to actually live it out, to let go and do some good. Um, one of the things that I love in the passage uh, that um, that I, I just I sense um, is the sense of these are things that are in your power. I mean, this is you. You don't have to like you know pretend you're someone you're not as you do it. God has given you gifts. Uh, he has made you exactly for such a moment like this. So what could you do? Um, He's put you in the place, the community you're in right now. So maybe it makes more sense to focus on this community. Maybe there are ways that you can help all the way across the country, um, but but in your own circles, in your circle of influence, what would it look like for you to just do the good that's in front of you, love the people who are around you? So we're gonna move to Slido for one last time and we're actually gonna give each other some ideas. Um, And again, if Slido, you know, is just not your thing today, feel free to put it in the chat. But here's our our kind of final question before we move into prayer. In one or two words, 
what good do you sense God nudging you to do in your sphere of influence today? And you can answer more than once. So you can also think about over the next few days. Um, like for myself, I'm actually thinking a little bit about writing some letters uh, to my recently elected officials, just talking about the kind of world I'm hoping for, for my kids and for their friends and well, for this whole community. Um, so let's take that time and share with each other the good we sense God nudging you to do. Mm. Oh, these are such thoughtful answers. Thank you, friends. Mm. Mutual aid. Mm -hmm. Checking in with others. Mm -hmm. I see a lot about donation, a lot about kindness, trying to understand those who voted differently, reaching out to family. Mm -hmm. Supporting local campaigns, pushing for justice. Mm. So good. I know many of you are, are thinking about your answers even now. Feel free to keep, keep putting them up here. And in just a minute, when you feel ready, Rebecca, our friend Rebecca Martinek Williams is going to uh, is going to pray for us as we close out this time. <laughs> 